It's the Exit 52 podcast, the only Baltimore podcast that has hosts rooting for the Padres and the Astros. We're back here. And the Rays. And the Rays. And the Rays, as the Rays play. Big time Rays, guys. As we record here against the hated New York Yankees. We will get to baseball in a minute, but let's open up, as always, that we do with the Baltimore Ravens, who are back this week um, after a would you? I wouldn't even call it a big win over the Washington football team. Just a win. Maybe just ending Dwayne Haskins' career was the really the biggest um, aspect of the win over Washington this week. And now they head to play the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, a division game, always big and just different playing against a guy like Joe Burrow, who looks like he's going to be a dude in the NFL uh, for a pretty long time. Uh, what are your overall thoughts on this matchup coming up, Banks? Uh, pretty excited for it. You know, Joe Burrow's the new kid on the block. Every couple of years, the Browns or the Bengals, they draft this quarterback who comes out of college with all kinds of attitude. We've seen Johnny Manziel come in. We've seen Baker Mayfield come in, and they're the flavor of the week. They come in with all kinds of attitude and try to change the culture within the franchise, and then they come out and ultimately fall on their face. So, of course, Joe Burrow looks like the best of the batch. You never know until that goes south, but I'm pretty excited to see what the kid's got. Um, he looks the part so far. Uh, he's learning how to slide, apparently, not taking lessons from Joe Flacco on that one. But, um, yeah, I'm excited to see the, the Ravens get out there and, and try to teach him a lesson or two. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited because, again, I, I loved following him at LSU. Um, he was maybe one of the most – in recent memory, one of the most fun guys to watch in college. Uh, he wasn't quite up there with that, that Johnny Manziel, Texas A&M team. But I mean, some of those games last year were just, I mean, he was just blowing the other guys away. And the national so semifinal fun. was so ridiculous. Oh, I mean, yeah, And again, I mean, it was LSU is always, I know Brian, this is right up your alley. LSU has always been one of my favorite teams to watch. Um, so like, you know, watching Burrow last year was just so much fun. And, and yeah, it seems, I think I heard a stat today that like passes under, kind of like little dump downs or, or underneath passes, I think within 10 yards, he's like the second highest rated quarterback behind Aaron Rodgers. Um, he's throwing the ball. Well, I mean, he, um, you know, he, he looked good last week. I think I thought he looked good in the tie against the Eagles. So um, the, the Bengals, and again, the Bengals are kind of a team that have always gave the Ravens fits over the last couple of years and, you know, credit to Andy Dalton and, and uh, AJ green and those guys, you know, I mean, I just saw the clip the other day of that AJ Green. Sorry, guys, you can plug your ears if you want. That AJ Green bomb, you know, where he toe taps in the back of the end zone after it's tipped around a bunch. Um, they always just seem to play the Ravens tough. And with with, and I'm sure we'll get into this later, but with the news of Lamar missing practice on Wednesday and kind of having that that knee thing going on, um, you know, may, maybe we do see a closer game than people expect. Who knows? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm just excited to really. This is going to be my first time really sitting down and watching Burrow spin it in the NFL. Yeah, same here. We kind of got a taste of it on that Thursday night game um, watching him, uh, but he was running for his life so much in these games that sometimes it's kind of hard to watch them play. Um, but they've been in all of these games, uh, three-point loss to the Chargers, five-point loss to the Browns, as you said, the tie against the Eagles, and then an eight-point win against the Jaguars. So all these games have been close. That's not an incredible uh, you know, foursome of opposition that they've faced so far. Uh, the Eagles do not look like a very good team. The Browns have gotten better. The Chargers are very up and down. And the those Jags teams have all had their moments. They've all competed against some really good teams. The Eagles beating the Niners. The, the Jags beat the Colts in week one. 
they've all kind of fought hard. Even the Chargers gave the, the Chiefs a pretty good run there, better run than we gave them. So, yeah, it's true. Um, you know, he's faced some some decent, you know, stiff competition, and he's held up pretty well. The It was an Eagles game against uh, Nick Mullins, who kind of fell back down to earth uh, there. But <laughs> I think Joe Burrow will be interesting to watch in this game. Um, as you talked about um, with Lamar, who's coming off a better game, Bur- Burrow is the first rookie to throw for 300 yards in three consecutive games. Um, which is how can impressive. that be? I haven't, I haven't looked at the stats, but, but Herbert has over 900 yards passing too. So did he have like a 400? And again, I, I, I was just lazy this week and didn't look at the numbers, but I saw that number too. He's passed for like 960 in his first three or three, maybe it was four. Maybe I'm an idiot. Just keep going. I don't know. That's what, that's what, that's what the notes tell me. The, we need the, a notes, stat what I saw the notes collected yeah. before the show. Tell me that about Joe Burrow. Let's get into Lamar though, because that was sort of like the panic news of the afternoon on Wednesday that Lamar was not seen on the practice field. I think Jeff Zerebeck tweeted that first and it was just an absolute firestorm of people being like, does he have COVID? Is there something wrong with the organization? He had just done media availability, which had made it a lot either weirder if you thought about it or more understandable um, because he was already there. Um, but some, some, some weird stuff there. RG three took the reps. Lamar, apparently a precaution according to Schefter. So any thoughts on that, Banks? You seem to have they, some information. They, um, that was the part that kind of put me at ease, the fact that he had just done the media. There was no way that if he had uh, a pending coronavirus test or whatever, that they were going to have him do the media and all that, unless in that 90-minute period he suddenly had a test come in. But he, um, he seemed to be in good spirits. And uh, I, you know, when that tweet went out from Jeff Zrebic that, he wasn't practicing. I kind of reached out to some folks and just kind of heard that it was nothing too serious. They were just being careful. Some, you know, just like Schefter reported that it was a precautionary thing. I heard that it was his groin that was kind of nagging him, but uh, Schefter said it was the knee and what I had wasn't too firm. That's why I didn't really put it out there. And, and honestly, if, even if I did have something, I don't know if I would put it out there and, um, can't hurt the team, the team, the team, the team, the team, the team, the team. So all day long. That comes first. The reporting comes second. Um, that's what big trust life is all about, but it was a scary afternoon. Uh, you know, something to keep an eye on, but ultimately I think that he'll be fine and he'll be playing on Sunday and um, hopefully standing in there strong and, and playing the way like he's capable of. I do think throughout his career as he goes on, he is going to get more and more of sort of the precautionary holdout of practice just because a guy that's going to take some more hits because of how he runs. It's just a different game that he plays. I'm sure as he gets to 25, 26, 27, it's not going to be, you know, full barrel throughout um, every week of practice. I would think that just seems like what will happen as he goes through his career. Yeah. It's like a narrative that I've been fighting since day one is that, he doesn't really take hits in the way that other quarterbacks do, but I can't necessarily sit here and say that the way he plays is just the safest way to play football there. Yeah. Quarterbacks get hurt in the pocket all the time. They get rolled up on, um, they get hit awkwardly and they get hit in the open field too. And they think he does a great job in the open field of protecting himself. Whereas we saw Joe Burrow get wrecked a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago, um, just kind of getting fast and loose out outside the pocket. But Ultimately, those things do add up no matter what style quarterback you are. And with, when your player is valuable as Lamar Jackson, you have to be precautious because the, the team is really depending on him, maybe more so than any quarterback in the league. And you got to be, you got to 
you know, not take chances. There's a lot of football left in, in Lamar Jackson, and you don't want to risk that. At the quarter pole here, where do you guys feel like the Ravens' biggest sign of improvement? It's funny. I was looking through numbers, and everyone's obsessed with the offensive ranks right now um, and that they're low, that the yardage per game is low. Lamar got asked about it at the, at the media availability today. But if you look a little deeper at some of these analytics, and I was looking at Football Outsiders a little bit today, which ranks by DVOA, which is sort of their like a play team and, and unit efficiency rankings. The Ravens are third in total team efficiency, so ranked third in Football Outsiders rankings overall. They are 11th in offense and ninth in defense. So they have two top you know, 11 units and are third overall. So despite the sort of thoughts of a slow start, they are still among the best teams in the league, which I think is what we think and what we thought we knew, but has not been really the narrative over the past two weeks with a big loss to Kansas City and just sort of a slower plotting game against Washington. So where, where do you guys feel like the look test lines up with the stats? Because they're kind of all over the place at this point, especially with all of the expectations coming into the year and how that kind of sets everything up um, with you know everything being based on 2019. I was gonna let you take it. Um, oh sure, no, I, I go for I, it. I've got it, but like I kind of, kind of handled the last one. Um, I have a lot written down here. I this is exactly the kind of stuff. Like what you were saying, Taylor, is exactly what I've been kind of studying the last couple of days. The statistics are are very wonky. I mentioned this on one hundred five seven last night. The the offense is seventh in the league in points per game at thirty point five points. You know, over third points, thirty points per game, pretty damn good. But twenty um, fifth in yards. And on the defensive side, they're, they're third in the league in points allowed and 17th in yards. So that's very strange disparity between the yards and the points allowed. Um, so if you look at it from a point differential standpoint, they're actually number one in the AFC, uh, 12 plus points per game um, between offense and the defense, but they're actually negative when it comes to yards. Uh, their turnover, turnover differential is three. So that's kind of a, a contributing factor, but not to that degree. Um, what I'm encouraged by, and I think a lot of people don't realize, is that um, last year the offense was one of 10 offenses in NFL history to score on more drives in which they didn't. It's only happened 10 times in the NFL. And this year a lot of teams are out to a hot start, and they are above that 50% threshold. But right now the Ravens have 40 drives on the season. They've scored 12 touchdowns and eight field goals. So they're scoring on exactly half of their drives. You have to consider that three of those drives belong to RG3. And then another handful of those drives are end of half or end of game drives that um, are higher than a normal amount. So they're scoring at a pretty good clip. You know, they, they're putting points on the board. It feels like they're not doing the same as last year and that you'd be correct in saying that, but by no means are they, you know, three or four steps behind last year. And when it comes to the quarterback play, Lamar Jackson, he, I believe his uh, passer rating so far is 111. And at this point last year, it was 109. And that was with a perfect passer rating in week one. And then he finished the season at 113. So he's right in the ballpark where he was last year. It feels like his play isn't really where it should be. And he's missing a lot of those throws over the top that I think you know, he wants to hit and he should hit. And that's how this offense kind of goes to the next level. But he's right there in the ballpark where he was last year. And by the way, the team has a better record than last year. 
through this many games. They sure do. That's the other thing. That is the other thing I don't think anybody remembers. The team was two and two last year through four. Right. So a narrative that, that that's also pervasive, and I've heard some some grumbling both in my mentions and in my DMs. People love to slide into my DMs. And- I was about to say your DMs are becoming some <laughs> sort of like therapy session for fans, which is great. I, I love everything about it. I, sure. I think you're the I mean, perfect. You're the perfect guy to deal with with everyone's. Uh, I'm a big talk people off the ledge kind of guy. So people think that the Ravens are are running the ball less, or they just need to pound the rock, or they're just abandoning the run. They they did in the Chiefs game. And that's the prevailing thought in people's minds. But overall, I have some numbers here in front of me. Um, through four weeks last season, they had uh, 290 plays in their first four games and 140 of them were rush plays. So that was about 48% of their plays were on the ground. This year, and this is where kind of the problem or the, the root of the issue or why it feels a certain way, is that the Ravens only have 232 plays through four weeks and 120 of them are rush attempts. So they have 20 less rush attempts but they're actually running the ball at a 52% clip. They're running the ball. Their run pass balance is actually higher this year, but it feels like they're not pounding the rock because they're not effectively pounding the rock. They were averaging 5.9 yards per carry at this point last year. And now they're right around 5.4. So while that's still a pretty damn good clip, they're struggling to move the ball between the tackles really Gus Edwards in the fourth quarter against Houston is the only time it felt like that in the first drive against Kansas city. It felt like the only times that we've effectively repeatedly gashed teams between the tackles with a run. So I understand the narrative. The Ravens aren't rushing the ball as much. It's really, they're, they're just not running it as effectively. And that's the point that that's an issue that they want to solve. I also feel like the people are going to think they're not running the ball either as much as they should be or as, they much, as much as they were last year or, or they're just not as effective at it because we're not seeing those long runs, you know, broken off. You're not seeing the, the – obviously we saw it with Lamar in, the, in the, the Washington game, but, like, you're not seeing those long runs. We saw it with Ingram in, in Houston. But other than that, I mean, I, you know, we're used to seeing the, the highlights from Lamar last year where he's – dipping and dodging all over the field and you're not seeing that. But again, it's like, they're, they're still, I also think part of it is expectation. When they added JK Dobbins, people were like, we broke the record last year. Guess what? We're doubling up on that this year. And so I think people had these, uh, you know, expectations in their mind going into this year of like, we absolutely jammed it down people's throat last year. And we're going to do that again. And obviously when you lose a hall of fame guard, you're, and, and you just throw another guy in there, you know, there's going to be a learning curve and, I think obviously we are seeing that that with plus you know with with obviously with Yonda being gone and the loss of you know Ronnie Stanley last week, um, the offensive line hasn't been what people thought it was going to be. Um, but again, I think there's plenty of time left in the in the season for them to recover, and they, they could put up some monster rushing yards. I mean, who's to say Lamar doesn't go for? He's had some big games against the Bengals, you know, in his past. So who's to say he's not going to run for another buck 50 and a touchdown and, and Dobbins gets going and Ingram gets going. Um, but I mean, just kind of following what you were saying, like, I don't, they're, and it sounds weird. Like they're not as bad as the stats reflect because you know, Oh, they're not there, you know, all the yards and stuff like that. They're, they're still a damn good team. And, and I think going back to the main question, I think they're still right in that set, that, that tier with, obviously they're below the chiefs, but they've got to be one of the, one of the, the feared teams in the AFC especially now with, with you know, the, the, 
who knows what's going to happen with the Patriots? Who knows what's going to happen with the Titans? You know, I, I put them above the Bills, but I, I still think they're cl- very clearly the second best team in, in the AFC. And, and I think they're still up there in the NFL. Yeah, it'll be fun to see them down the stretch against some of these teams. I still think the Patriots with Cam Newton are also going to be a threat as well. You touched on Yanda. It's almost forgotten that he's no longer on the team, which is insane because he's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's, you know, one of the best at his position of all time. And I think people forget that he's he's off of it. And that kind of gets lost in the sauce of when the team gets analyzed. When we look at this game specifically this weekend, I'll start with you, RDT. Just a score prediction for Ravens Bengals. It's not that it really matters. It's in Cincy, right? Yeah, I guess it doesn't really matter. Yeah, well, like who, who knows uh, with how the, this is going, but yeah. The, the quote travel, I guess. I don't yeah. know. Another I home mean, run you're, you're going the, an hour on a private jet, essentially. It's, Another home run here. for our Rays, by the way. Oh, it's, Sorry, here. it's here. It's here. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Oh, it's here? It's home? Yeah. It, you it's, know what's it's crazy about that? It, it's almost – this is not the first time I've, I've heard somebody do that. Like, the home and away – you don't even track because no, no. you're not even thinking about the fans. Like, I haven't thought about it any of the weeks of whether the game is in Baltimore or whether it's not. It's very yeah, because because you're normally thinking, oh, well, there's going to be traffic. I can't I can't go down this road or I can't you know I can't park yep. my car here. And now it's like you could you could park right outside the stadium if you wanted to. Yeah, if I could throw a football, I could almost get it there from where I am right now. <laughs> um, I don't know. Give me um, I'll go. Give me 34-17 Ravens. Uh, I, I think they just – kind of like the game that we thought we were going to get last week, I think this is going to be their get-right game. And I think Burrow is going to sling it around, but I think he's going to make some of those rookie mistakes. And, and maybe this is the week that the Ravens' defense kind of shows us, you know, what, what people thought they were going to be coming in this year. Yeah, I think 38-27 is my score. I think the Ravens are going to move the ball really well, but – um, the Bengals are going to backdoor that 13 point spread. I think Joe Burrow does have what it takes to, to do some damage. Uh, but the Ravens are going to run big this week. I think with the way that they've heard a lot of the noise and, um, the way that the Bengals run defense, I love, I looked at statistics last year before the second matchup against the Bengals and the Ravens were tracking and they finished at a, a historic rate running the football but I looked before that matchup specifically at the Bengals and they were defending the run at a historically bad rate. And so that was just in the stars for them to run all over them. And that's when, when Lamar had his ridiculous spin move. And um, I don't, I don't know that they've really done anything to address it per se. So I think the Ravens go for 200 plus on the ground and, and put up, um, put up 38. So I think it's uh, Ravens 31, uh, Bengals 17, sort of a similar score to you, Eric. Um, I'm actually really excited to watch Joe Burrow for a full game and like kind of lock into what he's going to do um, and see what that looks like. I don't think he, he doesn't, it's not like he has a dearth of weapons. AJ Green's not what he used to be, but he's out there. Tyler Boyd's really solid. So it's not Higgins, like Higgins is good too. I like T Higgins, yeah, like Higgins as well. Um, Nixon showed Alex, out last week. Some of these other quarterbacks. Um, that are young and coming with no weapons or still have no weapons like our guy Darnold. And we'll get to that uh, soon with Flacco in a second. But I think, I think he's going to be able to throw it a little bit, and, uh, but the Ravens win this pretty comfortably. I think it should be noted that this is a great test for the Ravens' rebuilt front seven dealing with Joe Mixon. I mean, he yep. had a hell of a week last week, and he's had some success against us. I really want to see us, you know, bottle him up and uh, keep him from really – you know, get into the second and third level and let's just, just clean it up. 
Yep. I think that's a, that's a great, great point. And uh, we'll be interesting to watch the Ravens deal with, you know, a really, really good back and mix in who, as you said, is coming off a big week. The Ravens though, couldn't be honestly, if we're looking nationally lower on the radar with all of the ridiculous stuff going on in the NFL, even this morning, the, the league may end here at some point with, with the amount of COVID going around. The Haskins situation was huge if you're in this market at all because of the different things involving him in college and then now with the D.C. media covering him. Uh, it's just been a wild, wild week. What is, your, what is the story you guys have just been kind of locked in on? Um, I have my own thoughts, but I'll, I'll leave it to one of you guys first. I, I'll lead off this one. Um, I mean, I think it's pretty clear as a Titans fan. Yeah. My uh, – I haven't watched my team for the last, you know, week and a half now, and I probably won't watch them this week. Um, it, it, it has been interesting catching up because, again, obviously they had no positive corona tests on Tuesday. So I'm thinking, like, oh, we're in the clear. We're, we're good. Buffalo's coming to Nashville this weekend. That'll be, that should be a really good game. And then today I wake up, and it's like, oh, you know, two more players tested positive. Uh, I only saw one of them named, and it was Corey Davis, the wide receiver. Um, but – it's uh, yeah. So that's kind of what I've been following. And then of course the news, Oh, here are some blurry grainy pictures of a bunch of guys standing on a field. And this is the Titans who it, it's a weird story because after they had the initial positive test last week, positive tests, I should say the first day, I think it was Tuesday. Um, the guys got together on Wednesday for a, a quote unquote, like an unsanctioned get together. Yeah. I don't know what, what they're doing. So, so and, and again, I'm not standing up for it. I, I, it's a super serious matter. Um, no, I you're defending it, your team. You're defending well, your team. But, but here's really? the thing. So, so they were they, – the Titans players say that they were not instructed that they could not get together. Because they – up until that point, they thought they were still playing a game on Sunday against the Steelers. They were just told the facility is closed. So several players, either on Instagram or through some of the local beat guys down there that I follow, said, no, 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 we, we, we were not told that we couldn't get together. We were told that we couldn't get together at the facility. So that's kind of like, okay, well, again, obviously, if, if they did break rules, and even if they didn't, they're going to get fined heavy. They're going to probably lose draft picks, and they should because this is – I mean, they have, NFL's got to set an example. You know Goodell is, is just – foaming at the mouth he just wants to suspend someone for a year and a half um and and yeah i mean it's but again if they didn't if they weren't told that they couldn't get together at whatever high school they did and again apparently like Tannehill straight up called the high school and was like hey this is ryan Tannehill. can me and some of the guys come work out on the field and they said that high school saying yes every day of the week they're not saying (laughs) oh absolutely but it's like if 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 the titans were told if Tannehill was told hey you guys are not allowed to get together He's not picking up a phone and saying, hello, this is Ryan Tannehill, quarterback of your Tennessee Titans. You know, I'm sure one of those guys owns property big enough where they have a field in the backyard and they probably just could have got together there. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, it's a funky situation. And again, now, I, you know, it's like what what happens because they're supposed to play the, the Bills on Sunday. As of Wednesday night, we still don't know if that's happening or not. And what happens to the Titans? You can move up the Bills by week. It's not great but you can move the bills bye week up to this week. But what do you do with the Titans? Cause they already had their bye week. Do you, yeah. Do they forfeit? Do they just, do they bump it to the back end of the season? But it's, it's super weird. So again, I mean, in a whirlwind of, of stories going on today, obviously that's, that's the big one. And, and the Titans right now are the laughing stock of the league because they're kind of like the Marlins are. And I did talk to one of the guys who I know is on their grounds crew. And I said, well, 
Marlins are in the final four in the NL. So, you know, maybe they, uh, they use their positive. I said, I got to find some spin zone here. And I don't like joking about a super serious matter like COVID and people testing positive, but that's about uh, the only thing I could come up with now. Yeah, it's wild. It's just a wild, it's a wild situation. That or I said, said it's got to be one of these damn bachelorette parties that goes down to Nashville. And, and uh, <laughs> well, I was going to say linebackers Nashville, coach. Nashville has probably just got so many people coming in and out of it. Probably not the greatest place to be to kind of keep yourself quarantined. Probably not, probably not. Yeah, not easy to not go out down in Nashville. But what, you know, what do I know? I tell you what, the Tennessee Titans are doing everything they can in the year 2020 to ruin my life. <laughs> if I lose the NFL at this point, I'm going to be so furious with that entire state. I'm going to be furious with you personally. Like, I'm going to take it up with you, and I don't know how I'm going to handle it, but I don't think you want to find out. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, first, I agree. The first ever Exit 52 that, threat. That is a non-threat, but maybe a threat. Um, yeah, that, if, if I lose the NFL, especially after that embarrassing loss against the Chiefs where I'm on a warpath and I'm compiling lists and I got to sit and think about that, I got to think about the Titans and the Chiefs and, and and not even get my Titans game where I get to beat up on you clowns and, and get get a little bit of a red. Yeah, but that that won't that won't make you feel better about last January. It, it, it'll make me feel a little better. It will. Uh, you, but no, I don't even a believe that. I don't believe that at all. It, it will I don't know. a little bit. I'm not saying it's going to make up for it by any means, but it'll, it'll, I'll feel a little better that night. I promise okay. you that. Okay. Okay. So, but again, like, and again, going back to it now seeing, didn't the Raiders have a guy test positive? Obviously Cam, Stefan Gilmore. And again, I mean, the big picture when I woke up this morning, the first picture I saw was Gilmore and Mahomes face to face, face to face. So it's like, or, I mean, today. that's going to be the big news tomorrow is, What's Mahomes' test? Because that this is going to be the big thing. Because I said this, I said this all in the offseason. No one's going to give a shit if the Titans test positive. Who cares? Like they're not, they don't, they're not going to move the needle on anyone. If Mahomes, if Lamar, if Brady, well, if Cam, Cam moved Cam, the needle. Cam I mean, was Cam, the first one. Cam was, was the first name. big one. But again, like I mean, imagine if Mahomes does that. That would be like if LeBron, if LeBron tests positive, something like that. Um, so I don't know. I, I may wake up a little extra early tomorrow and just make some popcorn and, and, and wait for the chef their tweets. Can, can we talk about spinning off of this here? We got to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers and big Ben whining about the schedule change. Crimey river, big Ben. Yeah, we got Get people out, dealing with horrendous. real shit. And he six days after his coach said, we don't care repeatedly in a press conference. And, 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 and said that Tomlin, we you know we don't like the Steelers on the show Tomlin I think handled it the right way you can't you can't I mean it's this is what's gonna happen this is what you should have been prepared for the whole time and Big Ben yeah Big, Big ben, ben just sounded very <laughs> out of touch there. I don't know what's up <laughs> he's always been a clown in interviews and says all kinds of things that are just pandering to what he thinks people want to hear but he's really elevated that this year the quote with him talking about oh yeah I've been sitting around but um you know, I've been thrown every day because not, not a day goes by when my, my son wants to play catch. He's such a phony. He's just so full of it. It's, and he's always been full of it. This is going mm-hmm. for 15 plus years. I'm not buying your shit, Ben. And I'm so, so sorry that, that your little plans got adjusted a little bit. And you had to take a week off last year. Yeah, I, or last week. I, yeah, we, we really feel bad for you. Give me a yeah, break. what's going to be great, what's going to be great is, a lot of things happened for him today. He whined about COVID 
And now he's going to have a backup quarterback next year because they're going to trade for Dwayne Haskins now that he's the third string in Washington. <laughs> You're trying to really spin that Dwayne. Try to figure it. And try to figure. Out. No, I talked to I talked to someone who is a Steelers fan today who said they would love the trade for Dwayne Haskins. They're in on Dwayne Haskins. You're welcome to it. The um, my last thought on Big Ben, by the way. Your, your quarterback and your head coach, contradictory statements, something for the tickler file. Is there a little discord in that locker room in Pittsburgh? <laughs> something to keep an eye on. Next thing you know, people are going to be throwing football at each other's feet. <laughs> it's going to be interesting. We saw what happens when that, you know, what goes down when that happens. Just but something I mean, to keep it, an eye on. It, the fragility of this whole thing is now very interesting because this is not like baseball. We went through all of baseball and you saw what major league baseball did in the middle of the year when they decided to go to bubbles for the playoffs. And now we're in these bubbles and we're watching these games and we're watching these teams play in San Diego and at that awful stadium in Texas and on all this, it's going to host the world series. looks like a department store. Um, <laughs> that, that was done very much on purpose because they knew that if they got to this point and didn't have farther to push the games back, that it would end the season. And now the NFL is in a weird spot because they can't just jump into a bubble. They can't jump all these teams into a bubble like the mm -hmm. NBA has done, the WNBA has done, the MLS did at the beginning. And but football is different because you need a certain amount of time between these games. You can't just play, you know, two NFL games in one day. Yeah. You could play a baseball game. I know no one cares about MLS probably in our listenership, but you can play those games with shorter amount of times between them. Football, you need, you need at least three or four days. You can't, do one on Tuesday and one on a Thursday, unless you're going to just totally throw the, the, uh, the collective bargaining agreement out of the window. So they can't afford many of these unless they're going to have forfeits. And once you have forfeits, the competitive balance of the whole thing is totally thrown out the window. And that's going to send a lot of teams into a bad, bad state of state of mind. So that is a really interesting thing to watch. The other thing, and this is all running parallel to all this mayhem and all this, um, you know, carefulness that is you know rightfully deserved florida's ready to go wide open full stadium yeah 65, 65 yeah. Doing? let's go let's go watch uh fitz magic let's do it yeah. what are they doing tampa bay tampa bay tampa is gonna bay. have seventy thousand at raymond james stadium that's unbelievable fire the cannons baby wild just living a different rob world. DeSantis. rob DeSantis, the great outlier down in florida um for a lot of this covid stuff um yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, not only is that, I mean, are there going to be eight ninety thousand at the swamp in a couple weeks? I mean, think about that. There, no one's going to watch Florida State because they stink. They but, stink. But in but in Gainesville, I mean, that is another thing. Like now, college football mm -hmm. gets to do their whole thing. To, uh, it's mm -hmm. it is very very interesting how that's going to continue to go because college football is also a fragile one. You don't have much time to push that season back, and that's why it's going to be my Maryland Terrapins and the rest of the Big Ten cannot really afford much um, during their, you know, nine week sprint to the finish. So that's that the NFL yeah. least maybe has a little more built in time. I mean, you look, then look, we could go into all this, but yeah, I if think your schedule gets changed. Taylor, are you going to cry about it though? No, no, I'm not going to cry. We're going to, and, and, and I, and I don't think anyone in our, in our organization will, we will, we will move forward with whatever is right, we are we told have to your do word on that. Taylor's the on the record is he will uh, not I will, cry. And I will hold anyone accountable. I will hold anyone accountable at Maryland that will, uh, that's probably not a public declaration I can make, but I'll make it anyway. Um, <laughs> but it shows you how smart baseball was. It really, I, honestly, to throw those that teams is in a bubble. That is a hell of a sentence you just said. Yeah, I was going right to say, don't, don't give Rod Manfred that, that credit. I, can, I, I don't want to. They've handled pretty much everything terribly from the whole summer when they could have had the whole summer to themselves and they couldn't mm -hmm. figure it out 
from all the other stuff that's gone on from the Astros thing, which I don't even want to get into that right now with you because you, your Twitter is horrible. It's, it's awful watching you root for the Astros public. Yeah. Rough day today, huh? Yeah. Rough day today. Sorry about it. Not they stuck those teams in in those bubbles and I think they're getting it right. And they're going to get through their, the rest of their postseason, which, you know, in front of no fans at random stadiums is not as exciting as it could be, but these games are competitive and the, and we've got bat flips and guys getting thrown at and all these different things. Yeah. Ultimately the games are being played on an even playing field and the Astros are doing what they do best, which is play great baseball. God damn it. Oh man. That's just so bad. I mean, it's just, it's just absolutely horrendous. It's absolutely horrendous. Um, And really just, we need a positive thing to get to here. So let's go to our interview with the great Jeremy Kahn, friends of both of you guys. Um, talk about, for the listeners, what if they haven't heard from Jeremy and they're going to hear from him in this interview, what he kind of means to the Baltimore sports scene right now. It's kind of a personality. The stuff he did with Mo was amazing and really impactful. Um, speak to that, boys. Um, I mean, I, I started listening to Jeremy when I was driving to and from class back at Towson. Um, and just, I mean, he's such a natural talker. He, he's like me. He could talk to a potato for like three and a half hours. If he really <laughs> hated him. And, and I'm, I'm sure we're going to get into it with him, but he had such an, an, a non-conventional way of getting into sports radio and sports media and stuff like that. And I mean, he was with, between two and six, Scott and Jeremy, Scott Garceau, you know, another Baltimore legend, they were just the best. And Scott's the older guy and Jeremy's the young guy. And if, if he, you know jeremy would make these jokes that scott had no idea what jeremy was talking about and they'd go right over his head and they were just great um but it was like as, as awesome as a person as he is on radio he's just that much better you know outside of it I, i've done friends trivia with him i've had a, a lot of adult um sodas with him before and he's <laughs> just the nicest guy he's a, he's a he it, right up banks's alley he's a big gambler uh love loves to throw some pennies down on on some uh some events, but yeah, he's, again, I think a lot of people our age um, grew up kind of listening to them on the radio, Scott and Jeremy and, and, you know, be able to call Jeremy a friend. And again, just to be able to hit him up and, and shoot the shit or text him or give him a call or whatever. Um, it's, it's, it's been pretty neat. So I think, I think we're going to get a, a good interview here. Sure. And I, I'm not as fortunate to have uh, done all those fun things as, as Eric, and I don't know him quite as well, but I've been fortunate enough to be on his show a few times. Um, I know just from listening to him, he's just a down to earth guy. He's a normal guy, whereas it seems these old timer sports radio guys are, they kind of come from more of a journalistic background and a little more uptight and, and there's He's a little more free and loose in terms of, you know, people want to listen to people who are similar to them. And he brings that to the table every night. Um, I mean, last night he was just talking about just anything, like anything under the sun. He was just shooting, shooting the shit. Um, And that's, I mean, I think that's what makes great radio is just kind of relatability. And, uh, and I guess the ability to, to talk to a potato. And he also real quick, he's one of the first people that I, I ever interacted with in, in, major sports media with you know radio guys newscasters athletes whatever that gave quote-unquote bloggers people in their mom's basement things like that you know a couple years ago the time of day it used to be like if you wrote for a quote blog you you were never you couldn't sniff a radio station yeah oh yeah you didn't go to journalism school you didn't do anything jeremy was one of the first people 
who I had that kind of back and forth with and, and built that, that, that um, relationship with. And, 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 you know, he's one of the guys that that's helped me and, and banks and some other guys blossom. So again, like, like Ryan was just saying, like, he's, he's just an average guy who knows a ton about sports and, and is just gr- absolutely great on the radio. I couldn't have done a better preamble myself, guys. Let's get to the interview with Jeremy Kahn. Something magic happens. Back here on the Exit 52 podcast with Jeremy. I'm going to call you a Baltimore radio star. Wow. Jeremy Kahn, week, the host of the Lowdown with Jeremy Kahn, weekdays 6 to 9 on 105.7 The Fan. Jeremy, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it. I got to get my wife to come down here so she knows I'm a star now. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, so so we had you know our good friend uh, Johnny Minadakis on a couple a couple episodes ago. He was our first guest. We thought you know you'd be a nice number two hitter right behind him. Um, I know you're a big number two guy anyway. Yeah. Uh, so again, we just anyone our age kind of grew up you know stuck in traffic listening you know anytime between two and six we'd find you and Scott on air, um, and and we talked about it in your intro before you got on a little bit like. The kind, the, just the relationship you and Scott had where you would say something and he would have no idea what to do. And even if he had an idea what to do, he didn't want to touch whatever you were saying, just made you guys so great. And, and like listening to you guys was awesome. Well, um, no, I appreciate that. It was funny because Scott popped on today because Vince Bagley passed away, which, mm-hmm. you know, Vince is a Baltimore icon and, and Scott follows kind of in the same footsteps there. Um, and I had Bruce Cunningham on telling stories and I was telling him that because he mentioned, he said, you're one of the lucky ones because Scott is hilarious. And when you're off the air, like, I'm sure he, he gets you laughing. And I'm like, yeah, he's got one of the best sense of humor that I don't know why sometimes it didn't come across on the air, but, uh, one of my favorite stories, and I'll tell you briefly, my wife and I were trying to have kids. My wife has MS, so there's a lot of complications with it, but we went through the whole fertility thing, which means, I mean, you're going into a room and you're trying to produce something to help make a baby. Let's just put it that way. Cause I'll, I'll get to the more descriptive part of this in a second. I don't know what I can and can't say on this podcast, but I'll keep it clean until one of you guys. Says you, you, can like, you, you can let it fly. You can let it fly. So I had a dentist appointment and a fertility clinic appointment in the same day. And Scott looks over to me and says, just make sure you don't jerk off in the dentist chair. <laughs> you know one of the best lines ever, man. It was hilarious, but he's yeah. So I'm very fortunate to work with him and uh, some of the jokes he didn't get. There's a lot of stuff like I throw in a movie reference or a TV reference that would fly over his head and he'd have no idea. And then someone would send me a text or an email. I was like, Oh man, that was great. So I always appreciated that. And that now your, your road to sports radio. And I know you've talked about it a bunch, um, but just to kind of go over that, you, you had a very non-traditional route to sports radio. Can you go, can you go into how you ended up behind a microphone? Yeah. So it's kind of crazy. Like I don't, you don't look at me and think basketball player, but um, I walked on to Towson's basketball team back in 1997 and then proceeded to get into a car accident a couple of weeks later. Now didn't get hurt, but I totaled my car and Towson because they overbooked in 1997 and I was a local kid. They made me commute. So I had this trashy (laughs) Subaru with no front bumper and an exhaust leak. When I pulled up next to you, it sounded like a Harley, you know, just, it was so loud. But, um, and I, and this is a true story. I totaled the car by rear ending someone checking out a girl outside of the Beller athletic club, walking to the light. And they had this gigantic trailer hitch and it went through my radiator. And that car was such a piece of junk that losing the radiator made it totaled. So you couldn't do it. It was a 1984 Subaru. But, um, 
so yeah, I mean, basketball was my, my first love and I was really fast. I was, you know, five foot 10, 140 pounds, wet and wearing boots, but I could play. And uh, so I walked on to Towson, get in the car accident. They end up telling me I don't have enough credits to play because you have to have 12 credits. And I dropped two classes because I couldn't commute every day. And the roundabout thing that happened was um, I ended up playing in some, some competitive basketball leagues in the area. And some of the guys I was playing with, I was talking to about, um, you know, they were talking about sports and I was correcting all their statistics because I was a numbers guy. I was a math guy in college. I was going to, I thought I was going to be a math teacher one day. So, um, so I'm like correcting all their numbers and they're talking about where this guy went to college. I'm like, no, he didn't. He didn't go there. He, Jerry Rice went to Mississippi Valley state, not Mississippi state. And they're looking at me as some 17 year old kid or 18 at that time. Like who the hell does this guy think he is? And once they went back and checked that I was right on all the things I was correcting them on, they came back and said, you know, you know a lot about sports. I'm like, yeah, I tend to remember numbers and tend to, if I see something, I remember it. They're like, well, you ever think about sports talk radio? And then I asked him, so what is that? He says, well, you know, there's guys that just talk about sports on the radio. I said, that sounds so stupid. Like who's <laughs> going to listen to people talk in their car. And then um, I was delivering pizzas at the time. And I turned on the station, listened to Bob Haney, listened to Mark Mussina, who's Mike Mussina's brother. And then I just, I fell in love with it being in my car so much. I sent an email shot in the dark said, Hey, are you guys looking for any interns? Now I was thinking about going back to Juco and trying to play some basketball and uh, but I was really interested in sports talk radio. So they hired me uh, as an intern. I worked for free for almost a year. And then when all the interns left and I was still hanging around and I didn't go back to college, they offered me uh, eight bucks an hour to produce the morning show. And I was like, shit, yeah, it's a, it's an $8 an hour raise. I'm, I'm in man. Like it's, it was golden. So uh, I worked for Nestor for six years and then he promptly fired me uh, for no good reason. Cause he's a piece of garbage. And um then I wound up on my feet over at 105.7, well, which was 1300 at the time, and uh, just kind of worked my way up. And I was just always in the right place at the right time, to be honest. And a lot of our business, as you guys will see, it's, it's about who you know, not what you know. It's just about being there when someone else isn't. So I always tried to put myself up to do as much as I could. Um, and then that way I, I wouldn't be expendable. But you just never know what's going to happen in this industry from week to week. And now, so, so you've kind of seen how the landscape of Baltimore radio and just, I guess, covering sports in general has gone. What, what are your, I guess, what are your big takeaways on, on it, you know, the, the up and coming Baltimore see, sports media and then what it is now? See, I, I love what's happening because, you know, I was one of those guys. I just got an opportunity at a radio station instead of grabbing some friends and saying, hey, let's put a podcast together, right? Um, I always, I always give guys grief that I worked with or that are in our industry that look down upon anybody else that can find a way to get a microphone and find an audience. I mean, that's all it is, is you're, you're trying to find an audience of people that want to listen to you. Um, and we kind of in radio, you haven't established already. Like, you know, you, you have it set up where other guys, you have to gain your followers. And I think, I think it's cool. I love seeing, like, I know a lot about sports and I'll put my sports knowledge up against anybody, but it doesn't mean I'm going to win every time I'm arguing with someone or I'm always going to be right there are plenty of like unbelievably intelligent people out there. And, and I think back to how I started, you know, like I would have been doing the same thing. So does that make me any less knowledgeable now? No. I mean, um, sports are fun. So it's, it's like, it, it's one of those things where, you know, you want to, um, if you're following it, you're going to enjoy it and having a chance to talk about it. I like arguing. It doesn't have to get overly aggressive. I like debating whatever you want to call it. And uh, you know, just sitting here and, and for me being a guy that likes to pick games as well, uh, th that's a fun part and a cool aspect of it. But um, 
I, I love seeing guys get a chance and, and I've always tried to do it in this industry as well as, you know, like even Eric and uh, Banks, you know, having you guys on the show, I don't know that it's the norm for a lot of people. I think it's starting to be where you're seeing more people probably hit you up. And then Barstool kind of had that, you know, from a lot of people where they're like, oh, I don't want to be associated with that, which is just stupid. You know, it's like, there's so many different outlets out there for people to get their point across. And I used to have a guy that came on from, um, uh, uh, God, what's the name of that website that just, it blew up. Um, I can't even think of it. Anyway, one of the, one of the sports blog sites that ended up, uh, NBC ended up buying it, I think. Why can't I think of it? My brain is fried. I was doing this at the end of my show today. I'm like, what the hell is wrong with me? Um, (laughs) It'll come to me in a second. But they had guys working for them basically for free, just writing stories and putting it up. Bleacher Report. Bleacher Report. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, you know what I mean? Like, And they're like, why are you going to have that guy on from Bleacher Report? I'm like, I'm giving guys opportunities. You never know who's going to be good. Like, you know, when you think about it, um, Adam Schefter started off at a small paper. He ended up covering Alabama, winds up with the Denver Post, and now he's an NFL insider. So, I know I'm rambling here, but like, I just think that it's pretty cool hearing all these different voices and people having a chance to actually say what their opinion is, whether it's right or wrong. Cause I listen to some guys like, what the hell is he talking about? You know, but, um, but yeah, I, I think it's a fun industry and it's, it's really cool to see guys get chances. Oh, for sure. And I, Howdy. sorry to cut you off there, Taylor. It was cool. How you um, really cool. How you just kind of laid it out there. And we kind of led into this interview um, on the first half of our podcast, just talking about how uh, Eric was really, um, really thankful for the way that you were one of the first people who really, you know, approached us with open arms because we're kind of the bloggers. We're kind of the the guys that the older folk kind of look down upon and and they don't really respect our opinion. And you've always just had open eyes and open arms. Um, So we're definitely appreciative of that. And with that said, you mentioned during that, that let's call it a monologue Mm -hmm. um, that you would put your sports knowledge up against anybody's. We have a co-host here who has actually been on television for uh, sports trivia purposes. <laughs> uh, I would love to see you and Taylor Smythe go head to head. I don't know what question to potentially ask you to at this point, but I do know one that Taylor knows the answer to. So I'm just gonna gonna quiz you on this. Mm-hmm. Do you know who led the 1990s in hits in the major in Major League Baseball? Oh, this is Banks's big question. Everybody. My favorite this trivia question. Big trivia question. The 1990s in hits. Who had the most hits in the 1990s? Is it Ricky Henderson? <laughs> so, nope. Who is nope. Say that's the one that jumps off the. the Maybe well, you should think about how long he played too. You're trying to get somebody that played all, you know, all ten years there. All ten years, yeah. Which helps. Sure. Well, he can come back to you, and I mean, Taylor looked like he had a question teed up, but you can chew on it for a bit. Is it a local guy? Is that why I, like, I should no. be ashamed of missing this? No. No, no, no. no, you should not be ashamed to miss this one anyway. I did not right. know it off the bat either. <laughs> All right. uh, Jeremy, I was interested in, you know, you, you obviously have this and you build this rapport with listeners, right? And, you're, and you look for that audience and things like that. And that fascinates me as a radio person because you, you have to straddle a line between wanting to sort of please your listeners while also when you get callers kind of going back with forth of them and having those debates and things like that. Where do you find that line is sort of drawn for you in building – that really loyal listener base that comes back to you show after show um, that's sort of your base of, of what you kind of do. Well, I think you can argue with people and have a totally, you know, have a disagreement over something and not be a jackass about it. Right. I can be kind to you and have you back. Like I had, I've had arguments with Bob and Parker who called in tonight and he's been saying like the nicest things ever about me 
Um, I had an argument with him where he told me I rode side saddle for Peyton Manning and I had to look it up what it meant. I guess it meant I was gay for him, which is okay. <laughs> uh, whatever. But uh, <laughs> so we, we had this big argument, but um, you know, the, the sad part about my job realistically is in how much effort and time I put into it. Like when I was doing two to six, I was at the radio station by 11 o'clock or noon every day. Um, and the goal was to always try to leave right at six if I could, but sometimes that doesn't happen as well. But I talk to callers that call my show daily, uh, you know, a couple times a week, whatever it is, more than I talk to my own family. Uh, I've been to, I've been to four callers' funerals now in my 20 years in doing radio, and wow, um, you know, none hit harder than, and Eric knows this than the last one, but, uh, but you know, it's just it's weird because like I, I'm one of those guys too. Like if you met me at a bar. You'd be, and, and let's say you were a fan of the station, like I'm going to offer to buy you a beer more times than not. And if you buy me a drink, I'm definitely going to try to buy you one. And then on top of it, I'll sit there and have a conversation with you. My wife hates going out with me um, kind of in the area that we're in, that we've been here for so long, because she knows I'm going to run into somebody that I know or knows me. And then she gets the short end of the stick, which we, we end up arguing about because I don't want everybody, I don't want anybody to walk away with a bad opinion of me. Now I'm going to do my best to make sure that doesn't happen, but it's uh, I always say that's a you problem if you end up not liking me. Um, but, you know, it's just people are people. And I always want to treat people the way I would want to be treated. And I know that sounds corny and cliche, but it's kind of how I live my life. And um, when it comes down to the callers, whether it's disagreements or we have goofball callers, some of those guys I like to have fun with. And I do like to poke fun at them without hopefully being a total a-hole to them. Sometimes it does happen. I cross the line. We all do. David it. Salisbury. Oh, God, he's <laughs> an idiot. <laughs> um, so no, but you know, he's, uh, he just says the most outrageous things. And like even Bubba and Bowie, I make fun of him more than anybody that's called, called the station. And he just keeps coming back for more. And, um, and I tell him all the time, I say, you know, I just do that joking with you. Right. He's like, yeah. And I was like, well, you're still an idiot, you know, like, or just whatever you bust his chops. Yeah. So, he's, he's great. So no, I, I, I hope that kind of answers the question, but I, I'd love to leave it open. Even when I started the night show, um, because truth be told, uh, and I mean, Eric knows a little bit more about this since we've talked about it. Like I told the radio station when they were telling me they're moving to nights that I was quitting because I'm not doing this. There's a lot that went with moving to nights that I'm not, that I can't get into, but, um, I didn't want to, I was, I was pissed off. I was angry. Um, I felt like I should have been given an opportunity to, to run that drive time. And, um, but you know, there's, there's other opportunities that have opened up since going to nights. And the fact that I now get to control the show and do whatever I want uh, in reason, of course, but, uh, that's kind of appealing and, and I like it. And it's, it's actually freed up some things that I can do. The one, the one issue I had was, especially with my kids and they play basketball that I got one, I got a son that's in college now, and I got another one that's a senior this year. So I don't want to miss any of his basketball games. Well, coronavirus took care of most of that. So, um, if I do see him play, it'll probably be next year, but you know, that's like all of this kind of coincides. So when I started the night show, I said, I want to make it about callers, call in, be a part of the show. And, um, you know, it's your opportunity. I'm not going to cut you off. You disagree with me. You call me an idiot. Say it, man. <laughs> get it out. Get everything you need out. And then we'll go from there. And now now I feel like we can't talk about, obviously, you've harped on it. Um, the callers, the big one being Mo. Yeah. So, you know, with how tough these last couple months have been, and again, for you and, and for everyone in the area, just everything that happened with Mo. Can you just talk about that Thursday night, the Big Mo Show, and 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 what that meant to you and your career, and and just the lasting effect that it'll have on you? Yeah, man. Because after the show was over, I sat out in front of his house uh, or his apartment in Glen Burnie, and I was exhausted. 
it was a long day. I had to set up all the equipment. I was stressed out that the equipment wouldn't work and then I would screw up that aspect of it because that's not my my forte. I've never set it up, but because of the coronavirus and everything that was going on, I had to do it all. I had to produce the show, set it up. And then on the back end, Nolan was getting all the callers and guests and everything lined up. So I sat in the parking lot, just not realizing, like just taking it all in because it moved by so fast. And to see Mo that day, he was so excited and he had to take his medicine because he was in pain. And Eric, you know it as much as I do from going over there. Uh, his medicine would make him tired and kind of knock him out. So he even wrote, and, he, and it was so funny because he misspelled beauty. Uh, he posted on Facebook, I got to get some beauty sleep before my big show. <laughs> and um, he laid down and he probably took maybe an hour, 45 minute nap. I just sat there playing video games while he was sleeping. And um, when he woke up, he was ready to go. And when the show ended, he took a little bit of bite of uh, dinner that I brought over and then he was out. I mean, he was just like, it's like talking for four hours is a lot, especially with a 14 year old kid who was going through what he was going through. And he does have the gift of gab. Uh, and a lot of that <laughs> stuff was off the cuff, but the commercial breaks were so damn funny. And just some of the stuff he was saying, I was like, all right. Cause he, you know, he started off the show by um, honoring a friend of his that had just died from cancer. And he said, I want to, you know, do, he picked six seconds of silence for him. And I said, well, why don't you do this? Why don't you let me segue out of it? Cause I've done that before. Cause sometimes it can be a bit of an awkward feeling to try to go from something that's down to up. So I'll say, oh, that's a really nice thing you did. And I said, well, let me tell you what we have coming up on the show to kind of segue out of it. He goes, oh, that's great. So in the commercial breaks, we, he was making fun of his mom and cause you know, we were joking with her and uh, he was just having a good old time and the smile on his face, it didn't stop. And I like, I'll never forget it, man. It's, it's a, it's one of my favorite moments in my entire life. And, and I've got some cool things that have happened to me. Um, but, you know, I'm still not, I, people will never know when I'm sad for the most part. I'm still not right. I'm still struggling immensely with this. Um, you know, it's just, it's one of those things that I'll never forget. I'm happy. I'm happy that I got to do all those things. And the, the odd thing is people would come to me all the time and say, oh man, what you did for him was amazing, but they have no idea what he did for me. You know, like, there's plenty of stuff that I was going through. Even when I got moved to nights, man, I didn't know what I was going to do. I thought I was going to like just be out of radio. And I, I mean, I picked up a job doing roofs on the side and I'm still doing it because I'd started making so much money doing it that I didn't want to give it up once uh, the radio stuff really started kicking in. But, um, and then to truth be told, people don't know how much I changed my schedule around because what I do is I go out and I canvas these roofs. I look for damaged roofs. I started doing it in Glen Burnie and Pasadena and Severna Park just so I could be near him and see him every day. So, um, you know, he, he became, it started off as a caller and kind of like a kinship when I met him, like, and then at, at a point, cause I coach kids all the time and I'm around them. Like, um, it almost felt like my son. And then, then it, then it felt like my little brother and we just, we became pretty tight, pretty close. He would text me all the time. Uh, I just miss him, you know, so not to get like overly emotional. And I know uh, you guys have probably asked me two questions and I've rambled the entire time, but <laughs> Um, they were loaded questions, by the way. Uh, but, but no, I mean, with him, he's special. He's just, and, you know, seeing what everybody's saying about Vince Bagley just brought me back to him today because I, I, all you have is people saying nice things about Mo, of course. Now, real quick, I'll, I'll let um, these guys dive into some of the questions too, but, but I don't know if you know this. When you Google Jeremy Kahn, do you know what the first two responses are? Like Google automatically fills it in? No. Jeremy Kahn, wife. Jeremy Kahn, Mo Gabba. My wife is the first one. Jeremy Kahn, <laughs> wife. I clicked on it too. I'm not going to lie. I clicked on it. I, I've I met this before, but I just, you know, I wanted to see what was out there. He's very attractive. You know, that, that tired ass line of everybody, y'all kicked your coverage. Really? Oh, how'd my, you do that? Insanely. Yeah. It was, like I said, I sat with her 
you were off talking to anyone and everyone at uh, after Mo's funeral, and I I got to sit at the uh, the table at Jimmy's with her and talk to her. So yeah, uh, awesome lady, very yeah. nice lady. She's um, great. great. She's great a labor and delivery nurse at Hopkins, and mm-hmm. constantly doing for like. There's a lot that I, I've told a lot of the stories, but my, my wife and I we talk about it all the time. We took two kids in. One's they're twins. One's in the army. Uh, one got a full ride to play uh, football at East Strasburg and then the coronavirus hit, but he's going into the Marines when he finishes up in college. Um, we took in a father and son that a guy I used to coach with. We let him move in with us. And she, she allows me to try to, <laughs> um, try to heal the world one step at a time, I guess, but, uh, I'm a bleeding heart. And so we try to do as much as we can, but she also puts me in check when it's like, you can't save everyone. So <laughs> she, yeah. she is the. The straw that stirs uh, the con, the Jeremy Con drink. I think absolutely. That. Jeremy Con wife. All right, I gotta look that up now. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Don't they're work. talking about my first wife because I've had two. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You, go, I, you I, go back I, and forth. I saw Miss Katie when I clicked on it. So. <laughs> yeah. Jeremy, how did your sort of sports fan to begin? I mean, you said you were you were a numbers guy and you remembered everything, but where did this kind of love all come from? Because you're talking about three hours a night, so the love yeah. and the passion is there. Where where that kind of spark from? Um, you know, my family, everybody in my family, uh, pretty good athletes. Uh, my brother was a phenomenal baseball player and it's funny cause I'm the black sheep in my family, like exact opposite of everyone else, except for probably our sense of humor, uh, sense of humor. So like my dad was a, a really good baseball player, started playing softball. My brother, phenomenal baseball player, started playing softball with him. They're both hunters. And I was just so different in my family. I didn't want anything to do. Like I played baseball up until I was like 13. And then I remember my, my dad tell, my dad was like, I said, I wanted to play uh, tennis because I wanted to stay in shape because I was a basketball player. And I told my dad, I want to play tennis. He goes, you're not playing tennis. It's a gay sport. And I'm like, what? I mean, come on, dad. Don't, it's not a gay sport. And he goes, you're not playing tennis. And I said, well, I'll find a ride home every day. He goes, all right, you can go ahead and play your gay sport. I said, I'll try not to make out with any guys at practice today, dad. You know, like, <laughs> like stuff like that. That's, that's a, our family and how we talk to each other. And the times are different then too. So I don't want to like my dad is a bit of a jerk from time to time, but still, but no, like we all played um, a ton of sports. And then I, we moved into this neighborhood that had a basketball hoop on like a, on a cul-de-sac. It's just a hoop there. And I fell in love with it. I started going out. I was so short and so skinny. I'd have the basketball holding it with two hands and just kind of sling it up there, almost like a soccer throw in, uh, you know, from the side of my head. And then I just started, I, I would be out there playing eight, 10 hours a day and fell in love with the sport. So um, in my house too, it was kind of weird. The only team we grew up with was the Orioles. My dad was a Steeler fan. Um, the Colts had left town when I was four years old. So we had no like kind of inkling of it as kids and it wasn't taught in our house, but baseball, my dad had always ordered boxing matches. So I love boxing. He'd have every Tyson fight on. Um, so I, I think it kind of stems there. And some of my more fond times are my dad coming to my games, no matter what sport I was playing. So that's where the love kind of starts. Uh, the numbers thing, I was just always good at math like I was always good at numbers I was in so when I went to Stemmer's run when we lived in Baltimore County I was in gifted and talented class it's not to brag but I mean you know it's pretty cool. <laughs> you gotta get it out kid. there you know but no I took one of those nationwide tests and I finished in the 99th percentile or 95th percentile and so they like if I'd have stayed in Baltimore County I should have been taking calc 2 like my senior year of high school um, instead I was taking I took calc 2 in college but Um, I didn't finish school, but you know, like I just, numbers were always something that I liked and I tended to remember. So when we were talking about, you know, this guy hit 301 this year, and then it, then it started with colleges and where players went to school. Like that's my forte is we can sit here and go through NFL teams. I can tell you 
where 75% of their players went to college. Um, and that happened with basketball and, and some of the other sports. So I just kind of fell in love with it. But it, it's always been basketball, football, baseball for me. And then I would put boxing in there as well since I grew up with it. Mike Sellers, old uh, Redskins fullback. Where'd he go to college? Don't even throw Mike Sellers at me. I don't know where Mike Sellers went. Well, Walla Walla <laughs> Community College. <Hey. laughs> Mike Sellers. That's the, man. Did you just look that up or did you know no, that? that? That is one that is stuck in my head. Wow. I don't remember that till the day he dies. I have no idea why. Yeah. Where is Walla Walla Community College? I don't know, but Mike Sellers oh, come went on. there. You got to keep going with that. He, he went there. <laughs> now, you talked about the numbers and all that stuff and, and being obsessed with those. Mm-hmm. And and obviously, me, I'm, being, I'm friends with you on Facebook, so I see all your statuses, and, and you're not going to escape these questions. Couple, And again, this kind of ties in with back to the, the Big Mo show in that week. That week, you, um, you, you, you chose right, and you picked some, uh, some pretty good golfers for that, uh, for that draft or for the uh, DraftKings. Was, draft, yeah. was it DraftKings? Yeah. Okay, so, so get into th- this kind of daily fantasy that, that, that you've, you've really just exploded with. I mean, yeah, you, so you've had a couple of <laughs> No, I've been playing for, I mean, since they started, really, and then I, I lost a ton of money initially. Did you figure, hey, I'm a sports guy. I should know more about some of these other guys that are going to play that are just fans. No, because I listen to some of these daily fantasy podcasts and the guys can't even pronounce the damn names of the players. And like, I, I hear guys mispronounce names of players like nonstop. And they're like, yeah, I was watching that game last night. Well, no, you weren't because they said the guy's name 12 times. Like at a minimum, you could hear it and understand how to pronounce And I'm not even talking about hard names like Antenna Kumpo or anything like that. I'm talking about um, for the years, they would call him Jonathan Shoop. You know, it's scope. <laughs> it right, jackass, you know, so... Um, but no, I started playing and, and then I started to dive more into the analytics and learning more and getting back into, as we're talking about numbers and what some of the statistics mean and trying to break things down. I've always had a gambling background. Um, but the, the, the fact of the matter was once I, once I started getting into that and realized really what you should be doing and some of the mistakes that average everyday people make, um, and it helps. And it's, and, and the reason I bring that up is because it's kind of odd that I won, I won $138,000 playing golf on DraftKings. And yeah, I don't know brag. anything about golf. I don't, I don't. I don't know anything. Like you know, you said one hundred and thirty-eight, one hundred thirty-eight thousand. Woo! So I... then, and in, uh, that weekend too, like as, as crazy as it gets, Bryson DeChambeau won that tournament. It was a little rinky-dink tournament. I didn't know any of the players on my team outside of him. Now I know a ton more <laughs> about golf, but I really think the fact that I wasn't looking at names and I was looking at numbers and seeing what the best odds were for that particular golf course that that really helped me out instead of, you know, sometimes you get your mind made up. It's like, Oh, I got to play Ezekiel Elliott this weekend. Oh, he doesn't fit in there, but I'm going to make him fit. So I'll change up the bottom of my lineup and screw things up because your mind's telling you, you have to get that player when we really shouldn't even be looking at the name. So it's just a different thought process. And then six weeks later, I won $130,000 on the NBA and in a ticket to uh, DraftKings live final, which because of the coronavirus, thanks a lot. Uh, there was no live final. It was virtual. So instead of getting a flight to San Diego or Puerto Rico or wherever the hell they were going to have it. Um, and then I end up having to just watch it from my, my house. And they say, Hey, here's a zoom meeting. You can meet Larry Johnson. I'm like, screw Larry Johnson. Larry Grandma, Johnson. Ma, I don't need to meet him. It was him and uh, John Starks. So they were like, yeah, you can get wow. a zoom meeting. And I'm going, that does nothing for me. Here are um, the 90s Knicks. Yeah. So, yeah. so the, and then, um, and then this past a couple, so the first week of the NFL season, I won 60K and then Jeez. I won another 30K on golf again, including a ticket to their live final, which is during the Masters in November. 
but I don't, again, I think it's going to be virtual. Now, that being said, those are the big hits. Now, there has been plenty of money put back in. Do not get me wrong. When you <laughs> tournaments and trying to have the big hits, you might have 10 losing days in a row. I mean, it's just, it, it's difficult. Um, but the big ones are supposed to make up for it. It's like uh, being Deshaun Jackson. You know, you might have three catches, but uh, those three catches might go for 45 plus. Yeah, I've been playing for a long time myself. And I, um, I have a, a good understanding of it's all about building unique lineups. I know that um, if you look at what the most unique or the most uh, optimal lineup is in hindsight on an event, it's yeah. always less than the max salary cap by a good margin. And then you look at the statistics of how many people own, um, you know, what lineups are comprised of. And so many people build their lineups to that full salary cap amount. And so the places where you find the edges are to, to kind of build lineups that are not all the way up to that amount. Like, for example, if um, let's say you were going to take the Chiefs, right? And everybody knows that the two favorite targets there, like you're going to a game, you expect it to be a shootout. And everybody's like, well, I want Pat Mahomes with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. And then I'll bring it back with, uh, you know, whatever player, uh, I'll bring it back with Keenan Allen if they're playing the Chargers. And so the way, like, let's say that was going to be the number one game on the board. The way to differentiate that is you can still keep Pat Mahomes or you could go to the other side and take Justin Herbert and, uh, you know, Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry, if you want, or however you want to stack it up where more people are going to go the other route. So now if any one of those players fail and it's 60% owned, you're, you're doing, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're in the ball. Yeah. So in it's this weird thought process to have. Now I prefer to play the big money games. Like I would rather play against 20 people and play in a tournament for two grand a person um, as opposed to, you know, putting a hundred lineups in at $10 a person uh, or $10 an entry and, and try to compete with, all these other guys, just like the, the math that these guys have and the systems that they use are going to counteract all that. So I usually play in single entry tournaments because I feel like my edge is even with those guys at that point in time, or even better in, in some instances, but when they can MME mass multi-enter, like it's, they're just so much better than you. And I've had like single bullets in those big tournaments, like the Millie maker and finished in like 570th place and won a little bit of money. But, um, you know, everybody trying to get that million dollars. Usually I'm not in those tournaments. So I'm in the, the, the bigger prize pool or bigger entry fee and less people because I feel like my shot is better to win them. Sure, that makes a lot of sense. Um, spinning off of the, the daily fantasy sports stuff, I noticed especially early in the, the quarantine or whatever you want to call it, uh, saw you get into the liquor cabinet a little bit. Ooh. I want to say – we saw some rumple mints in the mix. Mm-hmm. Am I right about that? And I think we're seeing some stuff behind them too. Can you yeah. see it? All right, a little so bit I, of a collection there. Yeah, well, I mean, and somebody. So I was on one of the um, a Bet Sweat uh, podcast for uh, Intercom and CBS, and the guy's like, "What do you have all these twist off bottles before you? Do you drink anything that's?" And I'm like, "Dude, so I have a 12 year old bottle of Whistle Pig, which is awesome. I've got a an 18 year old bottle of Jameson." And I, and then I have the trashy stuff. Cause I actually found Malort, which uh, right. I, I did shots of that with Glenn Clark on his show. Malort's the Chicago liqueur that tastes like somebody lit a match and threw it in your mouth. That's exactly where I was headed. I was headed to the, the, the Malort question. Oh, I've, I've been there. Um, good friend, White Sox Dave out in Chicago. Oh, so you had it. I've spent a couple nights out in Chicago and, and I've had uh, some of that grease. It's, oh. um, it's unique. I'll say that much. 
Yeah, I've never. So the weird thing about Malort is, um, and we keep doing. I, I, we've already finished the bottle. So my friends and I, we torture each other whenever we get together yeah, and we just... do shots. I mean, we pound, and it, it's childish, whatever. Like somebody's like, "Oh, you're bragging about how much you can drink." I said, "No, I'm just telling you how much I can." It's not a no humble <laughs> brag. It's embarrassing. I still have. I mean, I could lift this up during my show. I don't know if you guys want me to. And show, there was a, a, a guy that worked with a bunch of bartenders in town. He said, hey, I heard you're drinking during your show. Uh, can you save any of the liquor bottles? And I said, yeah, I got Jaeger, Rumpel, Jameson, uh, all the cheap knockoff, Jim Beam, Peach, Jim Beam, Apple, like all the, you know, stuff that I sit here and do shots with during the show. And he's like, oh, yeah, save me those bottles. Those bottles are still sitting behind me. We're getting ready to sell our house. <laughs> and there's, there's like 15 of them. Uh, that are and it was I just drank an ungodly amount for the first three months so uh, I'm glad I didn't have my lord and try to finish one of these bottles myself but what it does is you take the first it's so bitter it hits your tongue and you're like man it's awful and then you feel like it attacks the rest of your taste buds and keeps spreading throughout your mouth and it's just <laughs> it's so bad and I've done three shots of this on five separate occasions now so oh. ugh, it's all I know exactly the feeling it almost like runs through your entire body and it just your body just kind of kind of wants to quit on you. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, it's rough. That's why we do our soju shots, Banks. That's a that's tasty. Oh no, that's delicious stuff. That's our that's our go-to. What is it, uh, soju? Yeah, yeah, very good, very very good. No, I have. Um, sorry, I'm backing away. I have chum churum. My but like I my favorite thing to get drunk off of, which makes me sound. Can you see it? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. My favorite thing to get drunk off of is sake. So I was yeah, talking good. Yeah. And warm sake, even more so than cold sake. But we were in Myrtle Beach on a family vacation and the girl came over went to a hibachi grill and she was like, I told her I wanted sake. She goes, you want the small sake or the large sake? And I said, give me the large one. And she was showing me with her hands like this. And I said, I'll finish it. She goes, you're not <laughs> drinking it with anyone else. I said, no. So she brought it out. <laughs> and it was, I mean, it was probably, it was bigger than this. And I got it all the way down to the bottom. And my wife's looking at me. She's like, you're not finishing that. I said, I told her I would I'll finish it. I'm going to finish it. So my <laughs> wife was so, so mad at me because my goal <laughs> instead of eating was just to finish this bottle of sake. A huge carafe of it. We'll bring it back. We'll bring it back some of the Baltimore sports here, Jeremy. Thoughts on the Ravens this weekend spreading over under? Uh, I think they blow them out this weekend. Like, I, I love the fact that. So they're coming off a game where they win by two touchdowns. And I mean, they dominated the game, even though, you know, I have some reservations about the pass rush and some of the things I've seen. I haven't been entirely happy with the coaching staff and some of the decisions that have been made, especially on the offensive side. But we'll leave that for another time. Um, but uh, I, I just think they dominated and they're going to run the ball right down Cincinnati's throat. I think Burroughs, Burroughs been throwing the football so much. He's due for a couple of interceptions. Uh, just by how much they have not thrown the ball. And so uh, I like the Ravens a lot this week. And if I'm thinking the blowout, I'd rather take the over because you know when they tend to slam that gas pedal down, it just goes full bore. And uh, so, But I think the Ravens, I think they run roughshod over them. Sure. Sunday's official, Jerome Boger. Hmm. Hear that you're a big fan of the guy. I'm a huge NFL referee guy myself. Why <laughs> Jerome Boger? Why is he so your guy? because of the way he talks. I mean, it's like, so the funny thing is I was in a friend, my friend has a phenomenal man cave with five TVs on the wall and the main TV is the only one that has sound on. And I don't remember what game it was, but there was a huge call for fantasy implications on the lower TV. And it was Jerome Boger making the call. 
I said, I've heard that ref a thousand times. I can tell you exactly what he's saying. He's like, After further review, it has been determined. Number seven, the seven, the offense had grounded his faith, man. You know, like, so I start doing that and they all started laughing. So I'm like, all right, I'll go try it out with Scott when I go to work. So I did the voice with Scott and he starts laughing. He goes, I know who you're talking about. Then that SOB ends up getting the Ravens Super Bowl game. So it's like, this is golden. So it was great for a long <laughs> period of time. And I, I can't tell you how many times I run into somebody they're like, hey, do Boger. I'm like, I'm here with my family trying to eat. This is a Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> uh, do Boger. Yeah, so, but you get that a ton. I do like him. He, and the, he actually came to town to, with the new rule changes that they had. And he was out at the facility and I couldn't go out. So Coleman got him to have a couple of, you know, say a couple sound clips like, Jeremy, I'm watching you. And it was funny to hear him tell me a message. Like, I'll hear that impersonation. I'm like, I don't know if I could say it in front of him or do it because he'd look at me and want to slap me. I was going to ask this guy ever. I was going to ask if he's ever, I, I've heard the cut on 105.7, but I didn't know how they got that. Or I, I should have known that it was Coleman who got yeah, that. Um, Coleman got it. Yeah. They wanted that me to go out, sense. but I couldn't because I forget the reason why I couldn't make it out to camp. Cause I, I you know what it was? I was uh, coaching my basketball camp here at Perry hall and I just couldn't make it work. And uh, so Coleman went out and got the sound from him. Exactly. It's always tough to do the impression in front of the actual person that year. Well, so when I was a kid, yeah, my, I felt that pressure because my mom was always like, so I, I did, you know, when I was a kid, I would do like Barney Rubble and E.T. and, um, <laughs> you know, Pee Wee Herman and stuff like that. And then as I got older, it turned into Forrest Gump and Sling Blade. And my mom would have somebody over the house and she's like, do your Sling Blade. I told him how well you do the Sling Blade. And I'm like, what the hell is the Sling Blade? Like, <laughs> you know, just how she talks. My mom would call uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. Cuba. And I'm like, the hell is Cuba? <laughs> like it was, so it's just funny because she would always put me on that spot and like do this voice do that voice and I would get so embarrassed as a kid because I because in my mind I'm going what if they don't like it what if it's terrible and then um and then after a while I just started like my mom's going to keep asking so I just started letting my guard down and I would I'd do it anywhere um but then you, you don't know if you still have those voices in you from like because somebody was like hey do Pee Wee Herman I was like I don't even remember if I could do that like think about his voice and his laugh and then uh uh I'm not even going to try it. <laughs> but yeah, I was going to talk to Jombie. But anyway, you know, like it, it, stuff like that, um, I, I think stemmed from the childhood with doing voices. And, and I can always, I'd tell Scott too, because there were a bunch that I would do off the air. And uh, when I worked with Wyman and even with Garceau, I think some of their favorites is when I would do some of my voices saying dirty things or things that I obviously <laughs> couldn't say on the radio and it would really get them going. You're, you're Coach K. Anytime you... uh. <laughs> Oh, Anytime yeah. you and Kenny were together and, and, and you'd sign off with the coach K was always, oh, I that, that was, that was, my <laughs> that was the only thing. Like, I don't even know how, like, I know how coach K talks, but it was just that inference in his voice where it's like, oh, I love Duke, you know? And, and so I <laughs> you try to do that over and over again. And that is pretty tremendous. Yeah. So it was, it was just funny. And then it turned into, I don't know if you guys would notice it, but mm-hmm. I picked sometimes it up. instead of coach K it was say goodnight, coach gay. <laughs> and you'd have to listen in real good. I'm like, I love Kenny and I love Duke, you know, so, but it's just, you know, dumb stuff like that. And I'm trying to think if there were, um, I used to do a really good Kadri Ismail and then we had Jeter call in and he had him doing his Kadri Ismail. And I didn't, I always said, I didn't want to do it on the air. Cause I didn't want him to get pissed at me and think I was, because the whole thing that, um, uh, cause I used to do a, like a little podcast thing with, uh, uh rocket Ismail. So I got really close with him and, and they both, 
they both talk the same way. It's like, well, let me tell you what's happening, you know? And it's just like, there's <laughs> all these weird pauses in the middle. The, what I'll a weird, you such weird cadence, such yeah. weird cadence, yeah. So, and then, you know, when he was doing the games for the Ravens, he's like, hot sauce, like, what the hell? <laughs> but yeah so i mean there were a bunch of dumb ones over the year and, and then kenny would uh the thing that i would always get kenny laughing at when i did nights was i would do my humpty hump voice when anybody was on the tv i was like here's what's happening over here and you know so i'd start like i'd try to mimic whatever the person's saying and i would do that for every single person and wyman would just start laughing when we were coming back from a commercial break and then you'd hear him laughing as he's trying to reintroduce the show again we got to get you on a stand-up uh Stage. i did it back in the day you know, so true true story I, the first time i did stand up i rocked the house i only did like five minutes killed it like i didn't even i didn't even go to sleep i passed out at some point from exhaustion like i was just talking <laughs> to somebody i was like yeah, the time was so good. i was just out and that's what they told me i woke up in the morning i said did i get drunk they said no you were just so high off your performance no bs two days later go back same same exact set go up on stage some woman just starts heckling me and yelling stuff. And I looked down, I was like, what the hell's wrong with her? I couldn't remember my material and basically got booed off the stage. It's the, oh. mo it's the most embarrassed I've ever been in my life. And I pooped my pants as an adult. So, you know. <laughs> we're, we were trying to establish a punishment for a fantasy football league, me and Brian are in, and it was going to be slam poetry. Maybe we make it stand-up oh. comedy, Brian. Maybe. And that Same is the embarrassing. Can you get through a stand-up comic act somewhere without getting high cold? I mean, there's, there, yeah, there's some open mic nights. That's a good one. I, I mean, I've seen a lot of people do the stuff on the, the corner with guys dressed up in drag or, you know, you know about holding, that. Yeah, holding up. Oh, did you do that? No, I see. You know about oh, that. Oh, I know about dressing in drag. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I was one of my favorite <laughs> leagues I was in with all my close friends. We were in a league called the Dress League. And what we would do is we would play like rotisserie, not head to head or anything like your, your, your statistics are adding up throughout the year. We had all these extra spots. There's like eight of us in the league and whoever finishes in dead last week, 17 or the first week of the playoffs, whatever we can make work for them uh, has to dress and drag. And every single person in the league gets to pick an accoutrement, which usually means some nylons, maybe some clip on earrings, <laughs> uh, a G string, definitely high heels to walk around. And you have to serve beer to everyone in our league uh, as a punishment uh, dressed up and drag. Somebody gets a wig, lipstick, whatever you want. And uh, then they get their picture taken and put on the wall. So my whole thing was, and then, by the way, whoever finishes him first gets taken out for dinner wherever he wants to go. So we get a cool guy's night out out of it. And that person doesn't pay for a dime. And he, we go wherever he wants to go and you have a good night. But uh, I kept telling him, I said, well, I'll never finish in last. Didn't pay attention to the league. Never expected anything to happen. My team, all my guys were getting hurt. Finished dead last. So I had to do it. So they had me up on that wall. <laughs> and I'll never forget it because somebody put the uh, G-string in water and then threw it in the freezer before I had to put it on. So oh. it was uh, some tough sledding wow. early on. Yeah. That's tough. That's a, that's a tough <laughs> way to serve. Jeremy, thanks so much for, for coming on with us. The host of the lowdown on one Oh five, seven um, from six to nine every uh, weekday. I appreciate you coming on. Sure to have you on again. Awesome. Anytime guys. Yeah. Sorry for, I talk too much. No, you're good. And thanks for putting <laughs> these guys, these two guys with me on the radio. They deserve it. And giving absolutely all the people, um, opportunities. We really appreciate it. Thanks guys. Back to you in the studio. Back on the Exit 52 podcast. Thanks so much to Jeremy Kahn for jumping on with us. Some awesome stories um, from our guy. Make sure to listen uh, to his show on 105.7 The Fan, 6 to 9 p.m. every weekday. Uh, you'll just nice. get more of that. 
um, from Jeremy. So thanks to him for coming on. We're going to jump into a couple segments here. Nick Kaner medley person of the week. Banks go. Sam cook. Wow. Sam cook out seven for seven in his career, 82 yards, not quite a perfect pass rating because he actually hasn't thrown a touchdown, but um, I mean, the guy can boot the hell out of the football. He can spin it off the foot. He can spin it with his hands. He is one of a kind. He is absolutely after that fourth and nine conversion. My Nick Kaner medley, Maryland man of the week. Should we come back for the honorable mentions? I feel like we should let everyone. Get sure. Everyone in. Sure. Uh, somebody, people have been jumping the gun on that. I, that's my big thing. I like to start with the honorable mentions, but we'll, we'll flip it around this week. RDT. Who's your pick here. All right. My Nick Kaner medley peoples of the week. We got Sam Neal, Jeff Goldblum, Laura Dern. Those names probably right off the bat. You're you're it's they I do. See the wheel no, spinning. I know I know where we are here. June tenth, twenty twenty two. The next installment of the Jurassic Park series <laughs> comes out. I know Banks is is a very anti dinosaur guy. Trash. I could not be more dinosaur if I tried. I remember being four years old <laughs> in the movie theaters, running around like a velociraptor. Um, it's it's my probably my favorite movie of all time. I hate going to the movies. I absolutely hate it. My wife hates that about me, that I hate going to the movies. I will be camped out for tickets for this. I will be going to a movie theater. Wow. Again, June 10th, 2022. Um, they released the movie poster the other day. Absolutely ecstatic. Also, Laura Dern used to she play Dr. Ellie Sadler, of course. Brian, you knew that. Um, people forget she used to hook up with Baron Davis. Maybe the Baron weirdest Davis. couple ever. Wow. That is, you know, I don't that we're talking about a movie poster. We're not even talking about a trailer. Oh, well, yeah, they're still filming it. Are you going to run this back when the trailer? I, I, I can't believe they're running that back with those three. That, I mean, oh. that's unbelievable. The ga- we're bringing the gang back together. All right. It's, it's, uh, it's going to be Why are these movies still being made? How are they still putting um, dinosaurs in, in theme parks? Did you not I, see the last one? Part of the reason I hate <laughs> no. Jurassic Park is <laughs> watch along, heard- watch along next week. One of the reasons I hate Jurassic Park is at some point, I don't remember what the scenario was, but I had to wait for somebody in Universal Studios in that general Jurassic Park area. Mm. And the theme music just plays on loop and restarts every 45 seconds. And I heard that goddamn song so many times that I never want to hear it again. It's a great song. And and, and it's... It's we had I don't know if even if you know, I don't even think you were there at the church of my wedding. My wife surprised me when after we were leaving the church, walking out of from whatever the platform, whatever you want to call it. I'm going to get roasted for that by my wife, by the way. The our violinist played the Jurassic Park theme song as we walked back down the aisle. Gosh, well, thank God I just went to the reception. <laughs> <laughs> How about that? Jurassic the church, Park. So I'm not showing up. My Nick Kaner medley persons of the week as well. And I've gone back and forth between what this was going to be, but I have to give props to something a little off the grid here. Let me say some names for you. Martin Sheen, Rob Lowe, Allison Janney. My peoples of the week is the West wing old show on NBC political show. And in a world where, we have just a horrendous political climate. You go back and watch President Jed Bartlett lead the country from 1999 to 2007, which is what I've done the past couple of weeks in rewatching the show for like the third time. It is so good. 
It is a sensational show. Not going to win a lot of fans of this podcast talking about this show if you haven't watched it. But man, it's just so good. It's a great, they don't make shows like this anymore. They, they make great shows. There are a lot of great shows out there. Aaron Sorkin, just writing that snappy dialogue. We're walking, we're talking. Oh my God. It's just so good. So uh, the little bald guy in the West Wing got eaten by a T-Rex in the second Jurassic Park. Well, oh that's why yeah, no one watched the second Jurassic Park. So no one even knows that. Arguably I, the worst one. And I didn't know that. I don't know oh, yet. Was. I have no idea. So that is my, the West Wing gets my, gets my choice. I just continue to rewatch it. I just watched, I'm not going to spoil it. If you didn't see it, I'm not going to spoil something later in, in the seasons. My honorable mentions, I'll just go first in honorable mentions. Uh, Jimmy Butler, uh, who single-handedly won the Miami Heat a game and made the NBA Finals semi-entertaining. Thank you to him. And him yelling, you're in trouble, and then losing the next game. Sensational. <laughs> sensational storyline. Thank you, LeBron. And then uh, Fernando Tatis, our guy. Our guy, Fernando Tatis, who um, – Junior has, or senior? Uh, junior. Junior. Okay. Senior. Okay. Don't care. Uh, but junior. Sorry. Fernando Tatis, junior. Um, incredibly exciting. And uh, is on the field right now. Uh, so hopefully he's doing well because I have not looked at the score. Those are my honorable mentions. Um, I'll, t- I'll take over. Honorable mentions. Um, Brad and Nikki Bozeman. This is a more serious one. Um, first off, Brad Bozeman, Bradley, had a phenomenal spike after Mark Ingram's touchdown uh, Sunday in, in Raul John. Um, re- again, all things considered, very good spike for Bradley. Um, and then Monday, he and his wife, Nikki, who I, I've done some stuff with them with Mo and, and through Jeremy and stuff like that, and Glenn Clark and Pressbox, they're, they're, again, as nice of people as I've ever met. Um, I called Brad and Nikki the night before Mo's parade. They live up past Frederick, I think. I called them at 830 the night before Mo's parade, told them about it, and they were one of the first people there. Um, they're just the greatest people ever. This Monday after the game, they held a – they helped distribute food to families in need. Um, with a COVID safe drive through um, in Baltimore, which again, just he doesn't have to do that stuff. She doesn't have to do that stuff. They're just the nicest people. Um, I don't even know if you guys remember. He's the one he, he proposed after the national title game to her right on the field. Um, so again, he, he's, and he's turned into a hell of a lineman too. He's actually one of the best. He's, he's one of the better, I think, run blocking linemen out there. Um, so Manny Machado home run, shout out another uh, honorable mention. Sorry for ruining it. Banks. You have Hulu. They do have live sports. Um, yeah, those are my, uh, yeah, live sports, 35 seconds behind everybody else. Yeah. Right. You'll see it tomorrow. It's a joke. Oh, cable. Did he keep it fair? Yeah. That's yeah, he did. He, we just told you because it's it happened 30 minutes ago. That's fun. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> that was sweet. I'm going to come back to the Hulu thing because you're just teeing it up for me here. My honorable mentions, I have two of them and I almost want to take it away after talking about the West wing, uh, here on the show. But DJ Taylor Smythe up on the rooftop running the mm, tunes mm-hmm. on a Saturday night. Not much better than that. Sure. Uh, these people, the people don't know just how much of a, a pop, uh, pop music uh, aficionado that you are. And uh, I think you, you ran quite a fun time up there for, for us and the boys. So try my best. I try my The people that know now. The people that know now. They sure do. DJ Taylor Smythe. The other one is uh, the Ravens secondary for playing that soft coverage and letting uh, Dwayne Haskins dink and duck his way right out of the NFL. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to that soft coverage. Um, You really hate to see it and uh, tying it back to the the whole Maryland man of the week thing. um, People forget that Dwayne Haskins is an enemy of the state. So uh, 
Well done, secondary. Yeah, tough scene for for our man Dwayne Haskins, who if if the Redskins or excuse me, the Washington football team, God, now I'm doing that. Uh, somehow draft Justin Fields in this draft, that would be incredible. Um, after uh, Justin Fields replaced uh, Dwayne Haskins at Ohio State, and there's just so much that went along with 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 Haskins. We'll jump into the mailback here real quick as something has apparently happened in the Padres game as our Eric Hosmer baby as ADT celebrates. Uh, Banks will see that in 35 minutes. Uh, our uh, questions here. We're going to jump into a quick Ravens question. Obviously, Marlon Humphrey got the big extension. We didn't really touch on it much, but uh, last week he got locked up by the birds. And our guy, Ben Smith, at Benjamin Smith, uh, with big com- contracts coming up for LJ, Ronnie, Marlon, Andrews, and Orlando, who do you think could potentially be left out? Obviously, Marlon is now not left out. He's got his contract. I think it's Andrews. I think if they're going to leave someone out of that group, it's Mark Andrews. I don't think you would give a long-term contract to a tight end like that. Um, I think he's awesome, but I think you secure the two offensive linemen and your quarterback over him. So Mark Andrews, go find another tight end. Wow. I'm not so sure I agree with you. Um, Don't agree with me. First, I think that they they've kind of, um, you know, hitched their wagon to Mark Andrews on that front. Um, it's going to be a little bit before he gets his extension, but um, I, I really think that they have some confidence in Orlando Brown to play left tackle. They kind of gave him a little test drive there on Sunday, and he looked pretty good, both uh, protection-wise and, and run-blocking-wise. And they, you know, they like his pedigree and then what he's capable of doing. And, and really think about it: these, you know, Laramie Tunsil and what Ronnie Stanley will be getting, twenty-five million a year is the incremental say 15 million over paying a different left tackle who's maybe league average 10 million. Is that extra 15 million really that worthwhile? I don't know who's really to say, but that's why you're here. That's why I'm here. I sure. Um, You're saying no, you are saying no. It's kind of what I'm suggesting. And after watching the Ravens win a super with Bryant McKinney at left tackle, it's not a horrible point. They also Correct. want the Hall of Famer left tackle. So, I think that we we coach up these offensive linemen pretty well, and there's always an answer. Um, and they're they're going through a few growing pains there this year, but ultimately, I think that they like what they've got figured out in terms of uh, having a backup plan. Should they not get to a price that they can, you know, both sides can agree upon. So, Ronnie Stanley might be the the guy left out. You want to break the tie, RDT? Or you want to pick somebody else? I, I need Lamar you guys Jackson. to repeat the question because I just keep watching Manny Machado after it hits his, th- his home run, literally grabs his bat by the barrel and throws it harder than I've ever seen right back into his dugout. It was amazing. So I need you to repeat the it question. Was, Lamar, <laughs> Ronnie Stanley, now not Marlon because he got a contract. Andrews and Orlando Brown, who gets left out of the big extension of those guys? I, I think it I, – I heard you guys talk about Andrews. I think it's Andrews. Um, I think you can find another tight end. You can never have enough offensive linemen. I mean, and uh, obviously the quarterback is, yeah, you, you pay him whatever he wants. You give him the blank check. Um, yeah, I think you lock up Stanley and, and eventually Orlando. Because, again, I mean, you just – you literally cannot have enough offensive linemen, especially for the way that, that their offense runs and, and the kind of quarterback Lamar is. You can find another tight end, and, and Andrews is very good. Um, He's not a Gronk. He's not a Kittle. He's not a Kelsey. But he's, I think he's in that, that 
closer to the top of those, the, you know, the tight ends, but I think you can definitely find another guy like that somewhere. Um, yeah. I, I think that's, if you're playing with the money, I think that's the guy that you leave out, especially because again, he's going to want the Kelsey, the Kittle, he's going to want that money. And I don't know if he's worth that money. So sorry, Mark. Final question, the mailbag here, because I think it's going to jump us into a couple of the other things we're going to talk about here to end it. Our, our good friend, Julia Rice, who is a Dodgers fan. I know she's from LA. She would like to know if the Dodgers are going to win the world series after eight years of clinching the NL West. This is not a Baltimore question. In one word, yes, I do believe they're going to win the whole thing. I want the Padres to win, but I believe the Dodgers will win the whole thing. With that said, I'll let you guys answer real quick. I have something to, to, to say about baseball in that area, but just go ahead. Oh, I, it's hard to imagine them not. This is the best team they've had easily, and I think um, really what sets them apart from the last few years is Mookie Betts. He just sets a table for him so well. Uh, their pitching staff is ridiculous. The fact that they have Kershaw not not even leading the rotation, it's unfair. So it's hard to see them even losing any single game they get into. Yeah, they're the best team. You know you know what blew my mind is that Mookie Betts turned 28 today on Wednesday. Jesus. So like 20 – I That's wild. That, that's insane. I mean, he's – I remember Buck saying that he was the best right fielder. I don't know if he meant defensive right fielder or just – he said he was the best right fielder he's ever seen. I and swear like, he was hitting home runs off of like Sidney Ponson. You would, you would think. I mean, I'm, he, he had to have at least hit 10 off Eric Bernard alone. 21 uh, years old in 2014, his first season in the bigs, hit five God, home runs. That's crazy. I mean, obviously, I remember 2014 as, as, you know, the best recent year of Orioles baseball. Sure. And the fact that he was 21 then is, is just mind-bottling. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's – again, I feel like it is set up for them to win it this year. Um, the Padres, obviously, with their pitching woes, they, they, not pitching woes, the pitching injury woes we've seen. I mean, Clevenger hit 91 last night, and then he threw a slider 77, and they, they took him out, and they put him on the IL today. So he's not able to come back for the NLCS if healthy. I mean, they, they're like the Nats the last couple of years. Like, yeah, you, you guys have all the Sports Illustrated and, ES, you know, whatever sports magazines are out there now projecting you guys to win it all. So they kind of have to at some point, you would think. But again, this, this has to be their best team um, this this year. Again, I mean, how many how many years can you you have a team that's fully loaded like that, and then you add arguably a what top three baseball player mm-hmm. um, to your lineup? It, it has to be them. I mean, I, I think they've got a damn good chance. Got to win. We have no additions to the list this week, so we will bypass the list. Congrats to the media for not annoying Banks and not getting added to the list. <laughs> we will we will go back to the list next week. We'll finish off with our newly christened rant segment, Go Off King. The floor is yours, Banks. Oh, the floor is mine. Yes. Uh, you kind of touched on it before. Hulu TV, don't give me this bullshit that you're live. Don't broad <laughs> Baker Mayfield in front of me and tell me that I'm watching live TV when every time something happens in a goddamn game I'm betting with anybody else, I hear all about it on my phone a minute and a half before it happens on my TV, no matter what I do, I try to fast forward it. I try to, to advance and make it more live. It is not live. It's not remotely close to live. Fraudulent. I want my money back. Give me my goddamn money back. Your frauds, Hulu. Your commercials stink. Your commercials where you run the same stupid thing with Abe Lincoln saying, this is the worst theater experience I've ever had. <laughs> I hate it. 
Why am I still signed up for this? I don't, I don't know. That, by the way, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what you're doing. Uh, Hulu TV, you're frauds. Yeah. All right. I got two quick ones. My first big one, we've got to stop the in-game interviews with players and managers Ooh, in the playoffs. Oh, what a nice old school take this is. It's, could you imagine? I mean, obviously – Brian, you, you play in an adult in, you know, your wood bat league. Obviously it's not the same, but if somebody yeah, is sticking I play my a microphone, but if somebody is, if they're sticking a microphone in your face, like who was it when Loriano, they were doing it to Loriano when they were down like six to one in an elimination game last week against the White Sox. And, and of course he drops the F-bomb and people are like, Oh my God, I can't believe he said the F-word. It's like, yeah, what do you expect? I I'm more, I'm more, because I know they did it with Justin Turner too, while he was in the field. And they, they told Dave Roberts an hour before the game, like, hey, by the way, Justin Turner is going to be mic'd up. And he literally said, like, this is never happening again. Like, these guys are so superstitious. They're so in their, in their own head in the game. The fact that, like, Justin Turner is trying to play, you know, figure out where he's going to play this guy. And now he has, like, so what do you, uh, what do you have for breakfast this morning? What do, you, what do you see here? It's like, we got it. Do it in spring training. Do it in the All-Star game. That's fine. Like, a playoff game, especially a, a, the elimination game of, a, of the wild card round. Like, come on, guys. We can't I, – I did not like it. I don't think it's old school. I think it's just like, this is weird. Like, what are we doing here? I couldn't That's disagree more. I That's couldn't disagree yeah, more. I'm, I'm in on it, too. I, I think that this is, this is the, what the people want. I mean – yeah. This is the situations. This is the PLL thing. This is the lacrosse PLL thing that they do. This, I mean, this is why they're but like, if the player, like again, like Loriano, I, I think Loriano said the F word, so they never ask him again. Like, shouldn't they shouldn't be forced to do it? But if somebody's willing to do it and is you know kind of a team player, like, yeah, everybody or or if someone wants to build their personal brand. Brand building talk. Yeah, but sure. MLB doesn't do that. Come on, you know, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's that. and that's their fault. You that's know, their they fault. don't do that. And that's their but fault. This is a thing too. Is like when MLB, we all know that they're dinosaurs with this shit. But when they start to do that, we can't bash them. You know. But in the in the in I think in the NLDS, in the ALDS, in the in the wild card round, it's like it's it's the like I just imagine them be like that's when the most eyeballs on the games imagine someone is miking up or asking Tom Brady questions in his ear I know it's not the same I know blah 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 but it's just it it it's it I did not like it it's it, like well maybe it's, we'll meet like, in the middle and there should be a mic'd up version that like I've never seen that for baseball really where you get like an NBA and like NBA. yeah like do that NFL, but like, yeah NFL turning I'm, point was a great show I don't know if they still do it but I'm fine with the mic up, up, but like asking Justin Turner questions while he's in the field, like that's where it's like, come on, I like, love it. Give me more. I, I don't know. I'm 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 out on it. But again, if you want to mic them up and you want to hear what they're saying and in the field and all that, but asking the questions, I think is way. Again, if I was a coach or a manager, I'd be like, you're not doing this. Like this is you're 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 waste, you're stepping over the line. Um, my next one, real quick is this, this is right up uh, Brian's alley. These Ravens fans who are all over Joe Flacco for starting on Sunday, what are we doing here? What are oh, we doing? Oh, What are you doing? I'm so- let, me, let me focus on Manny Machado and, yeah, and what are you watching him about? in home What are you doing, so man? You're s- that's, no, that, that's, you're that's cutting my, my legs off from under me here. I'm try- I was going to finish the show with this. That's one of my favorite things I've ever done on Twitter is being like, Ravens fans have to let Joe Flacco go. He's never coming back. 
He's let never Joe cook. And then, and then yeah, my next, tweet, I'm all and my Joe. next tweet was all about Manny Machado and how great he is as a Padre. And people got so mad at me. So I was trying to set the bait for that. Yeah. Yeah. Matter, what a, what an absolute instigator you are. Listen, yeah. this Joe Flacco pod. stuff is some of the most fun that I've had this season. Because oh, this is a stressful awesome. time. Being a Ravens fan, the team's good and it's a lot of fun. But at the same time, like <laughs> they have to play at such a high level with such high expectations. Whereas Joe Flacco, he's done so much for the Ravens. He's given us so much. I love the guy to death. For him to get another opportunity in this league to start in, in the NFL and, and play with house money, basically, that is so fun. If he goes out there and and that deep that offensive line stinks and his receivers his receivers are the worst that he's had in his entire career, which is really mm. stinks. Something. They cut Calvin Hall's Lawrence Cager today. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Tough. He goes out and wins a football game. I am going to be relentless, relentless, and I'm so excited at just the mere possibility of that happening. I don't know how long Sam Darnold's going to be out, but Joe Flacco, go off, King. Who do they play this week? Arizona. Uh, I was going to say, I think it's a winnable game. I think he's going to get killed behind that offensive line because if Darnold can't move, I mean, again, no offense. If he does, we get to have some laughs. Like the internet will enjoy the hell out of it. And (laughs) we can take that because we've been through that. But at that point, it's all house money. It's all, it's all fun. It's all gravy from here. Like (laughs) we've seen what Joe looked like in Denver. I think that's Vic Fangio's fault. He's a moron, Mm -hmm. but it's house money. The jet, if it's if he stinks, we just say, "Oh, the Jets just ruined." Yeah, it's, it's, it'll go back to the Jets. Yeah, thing. and if he's awesome, we get to say, "Oh, that Sam Darnold stinks because Joe Flacco went in and, and he won a football game." So it's house money, and I love every second of it, and I'm going to spend every second of it just whooping it up for my guy Joe because he deserves it. Uh, he said to the media today that he had butterflies when he came out to take the first team reps. Oh, that's so sweet. Just, just incredible. <laughs> Is that a shot uh, of Baltimore? Um, My uh, one to finish here is um, related to uh, Los Angeles baseball, Uh, a player you will not be hearing mic'd up at all during the playoffs or maybe ever during any playoffs is um, the man considered the greatest baseball player in the game. And that's Mike Trout. And my, my biggest issue here with Mike Trout is that he's a loser. Mike Trout is a loser. Um, And it's, it's, it's nothing against his stats. Obviously, you know, you don't win three MVPs when you're a bad baseball player. You don't do all the things he does when you're a bad player and all the baseball people out there will tell you, well, he just doesn't have enough on his team. You know, there's just not enough people there. They don't have the pitch. They don't have this, they don't have that. They don't have whatever. Eventually when you're going to be considered an all-time great player, you have got to win something. You've got to win something. They don't win anything. He doesn't win anything. They've never won anything with him there. And I understand that he has not had people around him to win. Then don't sign an extension there and go find a team that's actually going to win. Like Manny Machado has won more than this guy. Like there are so Mookie Betts has won way more than this guy. He's a loser. Mike Trout. I'm sorry. Until further notice, I said this about Andy Murray a long time ago, and he proved me wrong and became a winner after he was, he was a wuss for so long, kept losing and then brought Wimbledon to his country. I'll flip my opinion on this. If this guy ends up winning, but right now through any definition of of playing sports is to win the events that you're supposed to do. He's a loser. Sure. Give me the baseballs and individual sport masses, a team sport. Give me all that. Give me, he, he, they, you know, he's the MVP because they didn't have him. They would have won 60 games instead of 79. Sure. Go ahead. Great. They won 79 games. 
loser. Deserves all the – take the MVPs. Have them. Take them all. Make the Hall of Fame on the first ballot. Fantastic. Never won anything until he wins something. I don't want to hear him in the all-time great discussion. I don't want to hear it. Win anything. Literally anything. Get to the finals or get to the World Series. I'm talking like I'm hearing NBA debates in my head. Get Get close. Get close. They've made the playoffs one time, and they got swept. Swept in the LDS by the Royals, who then beat the Orioles, unfortunately. But awful. Awful. <laughs> I used to have the same. 72 wins last year, 80 wins before that, 80 wins before that, 74 before that, 85 before that. They're not I even used, close to 90 wins. I used to have the same Garbage. conversation with, with Griffey. I was a Sheffield fan growing up. My best friend was a Griffey fan. So I'd always say, would you rather have the MVP like Griffey does or the World Series title like Sheffield does? At Obviously, it's not the at same. Least, but yeah, at least Griffey got close. and got Classic there. debate, Sheffield and Griffey. Yeah. I was, that was, again, that's me stirring the pot. At least, Griffey's gotten, at least Griffey's gotten closer and was on great teams that, like, made, you know, mm-hmm. ALCSs. Yeah, they made runs. Mike Trout's on terrible teams every year. They don't mm-hmm. even get close. Like, they're not even in the discussion. They even had a short, like, go, shortened season. Okay, you have 60 games. The Marlins played enough above <laughs> their skis to make the playoffs this year, and the Angels couldn't figure it out for 60 games. If you're a fan in L.A., that's why no one cares about this guy. And I love watching Mike Trout play. He's an incredible player. But there's a reason no one cares about him in the second biggest market in the country because he plays for the sec- he plays for the team that doesn't try to win, and he doesn't try to win. He, he, he you can't tell me anything different. They don't win. They also, there's some dudes that have gone through that organization too. I mean, get him out yeah. of here. Has been there. Rendon is there now. Yeah, they went and signed the Gibbons best region. Awesome baseball player that no one really gives credit to, but. I mean, it's, 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 we're, we're kind of shocked and, and we don't have much to say in response because there isn't much to say. The win. fact that, that win, Mike, Mike. Trout, I want him to win. I want him to win. Win, Mike. Win. The, the fact that he did not get the Jersey Mike's um, sponsorship over Aaron Judge, Jersey Mike's literally translates to Mike Trout. Yeah. Like, they that's should have given it to him or my guy. You got to have that. Him or my guy, Mike Schworn from Maryland. I had that written down for one of my, uh, one of my rants, and then I forgot to put it or transfer it over to like my Google sheet that I go off of. Mike or uh, Aaron Judge is the worst pitch man I've ever seen. He's horrible. Yeah, that's yeah. not his forte. He's a great baseball player. I don't even think he's that great. And guess what? He's more of a winner. That right catch now, Mike Trout, not that great. Dude, well, that was like, the most he's seven normal feet catch I've ever it seen. Was in my life. Relatively routine, not completely routine, but like he left. Maybe three or four inches off the ground. Because he made it a tough catch. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's that's a literally – Nick Marquegas catches that ball. Stevie Wilkerson – someone tweeted me, Stevie Wilkerson backpedals to that ball, makes the catch, and the inning's over. Like, why – I literally heard about this catch that Aaron Judge made, and I got on Twitter, and was like, that's that's it? Like, he's the one that messed it up. Give and, him his pins. Give him his was, pins. This is just my overall thing. This week – I. This happens every October. I get like re-engaged with my Yankees hatred. Mm-hmm. I just the nice thing to get re-engaged. Fumes and everything I see, I just, I just hate their guts so much. And the Aaron Judge commercials, and just the last night, uh, Brett Gardner complaining about the strike zone, and he just looks like a big meatball with his hands out. Get him out of here. That guy so much. He looks like the guys from um, Mars Attacks. He does. He absolutely does. And with, and with that great piece of analysis, 
it's time for the show to come to a close. <laughs> Brett Gardner, see ya. Mike Trout, see ya. You're a loser. That's the Exit 52 podcast for this week. Thanks Thank to Jerry. Thanks to go Joe Flacco. Thanks to Jeremy Khan for jumping on with us once again. He was fantastic. Um, thanks to you two. Follow the guys on Twitter. Follow all of us, first of all, on Twitter at X52 Podcast on all of your social media platforms, that being Instagram and Twitter, um, as we continue to expand. Follow Barstool Banks at Barstool Banks. It's pretty easy to do that. And then, Eric, I'm going to nail this without looking at this E D I T T I. 20, I have to look. 22. Oh, God. 22. Well, I can't 22. get it wrong. 22. Taylor Smythe, 10 for me. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you for our instant analysis post Ravens Bengals on Sunday. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Go, Joe.